Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Let's talk investing. No matter how many episodes I do, you always are requesting more about investing, and I get it, particularly right now. Investing can be 
really tricky. What do you invest in? How much should you invest? Should you buy stocks? Should you not buy stocks? There's all these acronyms, and it just feels a bit overwhelming. While there's a lot to know, of course there's a lot to know, it's also not as hard as you think to get started investing and really make a difference with those investment dollars. In this episode reboot, you're going to learn how Amanda Holden, better known as Dumpster Doggy, is helping to demystify all things investing and really passionately teach women how to build wealth. You're listening to Millennial Money with award-winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Compton-Game, where we flip the script on the old school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week, Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, and what makes millennials tick. Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives, tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story and unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna, money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger aficionado. I already had a secret girl crush on Amanda before I interviewed her. And after the interview, my affection grew more and more. She's just outspoken in all of the best ways and really leading the charge behind this no BS financial education for women on her blog, The Dumpster Dog Blog. Her humor, she's so funny, makes learning about investing really easy and fun. And she brings us all to her course, Invested Development and her countless investing tips she posts on Instagram. In this episode, we talk about the money blind spots women have, tips to win in investing, and why women need a new language around investing education. This is an episode I promise you, you're going to want to bookmark and share with your female tribe. There are so many things I want to talk to you about when I was setting up the questions for our conversation. I'm like, okay, so we we need to not have an hour conversation, but <laughs> you are like positively in such a great way outspoken in your desire to really like cut the bullshit and talk of, talk about women and money in a way that's that's real. And of course, I resonate with that. And I mean, we could go on and on. There's so many different issues that women have to deal with around money. We've got, you know, pink tax, starting and stopping work, we live longer, uh, we're more tend to be more conservative. I mean, there's so many different issues, let alone of course the pay gap and all of that. But I'm curious like where does this passion come from that you you have this desire to offer this non-BS education for women? I think that it in to answer that question, I think that it helps to uh take a step back to where I was before, before I was doing what I do now. And so my job now or my business now is is primarily teaching women to invest. And so my background is in investment management. I was actually working for an investment management firm in San Francisco out of college. I ended up getting thrust into a client-facing position pretty early on, which meant that I was working not only beside all men, but working with and for all men, all of my clients were men. Yes. <laughs> and so at that time, my job, so my job was called investment counselor. And so my job was essentially to work with high net worth, aka 
really fucking rich guys <laughs> and answer questions about the stock market, answer questions about their portfolio, keep them apprised of portfolio strategy, get to know their personal financial situations. So basically I was doing a lot of handholding for old rich white guys, which Shauna, I'm sure you can, if, oh. if you know me even just a little bit, you probably know that that, that job had a shelf life for me. And so I ended up saving up all my money, quitting that job, getting out of there. It was not the right place for me. Like helping rich men get richer was never going to be it for me. And I actually left to go, to go travel for a year. And while I was traveling, I was trying to decide what my next move would be. I thought I was going to leave money altogether because I was like, you know what? I don't actually like talking about <laughs> money all day. This is, this is not it for me. Um, but while I was there, I decided, you know what? Like maybe my work here isn't done. I have been helping and coaching my girlfriends through all of this information, teaching them, you know, the difference mm -hmm. between a stock and a mutual fund <laughs> and their ass and a hole in the ground, <laughs> trying to get them up to speed. And I was like, maybe, maybe there's something there. And so I ended up coming back to money and starting my own business and starting my own blog. Um, in order to get this information to the demographic that I actually care about, which is young women, but also anybody that has felt left out of these conversations, because so often these conversations are held in these rooms where only old, already rich white guys are allowed. And so I wanted to democratize the information and find a way to actually get it to those who need it. And so that's kind of my journey, my path to coming back and, and helping women. Yeah. And I can resonate so much with your story. When I started in the financial industry, I was working with old, white, rich dudes. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, being called honey and, uh, you know, they thought I was the secretary and there's no way I could be smart enough to actually know what I was doing. And, you know, it's a very frustrating place to be. And then also, much like you, coaching and, and working with my female friends and them saying to me, like, I don't want to sit across the table from another old, rich, white guy advisor even telling me that I'm doing my money wrong or criticizing my my choices of what I'm buying. So it's like a real, I think, interesting time right now for for women and women in the financial industry and just women in general. I mean, from from what you see, because you work with so many women, do you think that that this is changing, that the, the education is actually getting and reaching women and making changes? Well, from my experience, absolutely. Um, one of my philosophies, I would say my primary philosophy is bringing this information to women in their language, right? We don't yeah. use the same language as these dusty old dudes. It's just not the way that we not only talk, but more importantly, process information, and so even just in explaining it, in explaining these terms in, in terms that women and really anyone would understand has been completely revolutionary. I think that, um, what, one of the main things that I like to, to encourage women to, to know and understand upfront is that this information is absolutely within your capacity to learn. It's just that you need the right teacher and you need somebody to sit you down and explain it to you in a way that is actually understandable. And so just so you know, some of my methodology, um, one of my favorite things to do. And when I give my invested development presentations, which is like basically one part investing 101, one part stand up comedy, little dash of inspiration. <laughs> I basically compare everything to dating, which is something that 
everybody can relate to, right? Yeah. And so even just having these these parallels to draw to other parts of your life, I think are really helpful in helping women to actually understand this information. And so with my course and with my speaking, I get a lot of really good feedback in on an educational front. And I would say even more so than with the writing, even if I try to explain it as fun as possible in writing, there's just something about gathering together and being in the community and having a teacher that I think is really impactful. Yeah, I agree. And and I love that you bring comedy to it because I think th- that re- relatability and being able to to meet people where they're at, but then also being able to bring a sense of humor to this as well. And I think I don't know how you feel about this, but I mean, I I love dudes, right? Obviously. Um and and no, you know, disrespect to the guys out there listening, but I feel like a lot of the fear and stress around money has been uh it's really been because of the language that has been set up around money or the not talking about money and you know, it's really come from this like male point of view and so women feel kind of kind of lost in that and I think when you can infuse the humor into it and get people to see that this doesn't have to be a taboo topic or it doesn't have to be stressful or fearful. It You can almost see like the relief just like come over women, like feeling like, okay, I, I could actually, wait, I could actually do this. Wait, I could actually invest and be smart and, and know these things. I think it's like such a cool place to meet women at. Oh, absolutely. And I think that there's another element of it as well. And this is not something that only men do to women. Women also do it to women, but you cannot talk about investing without talking about really the, our spending habits. And, and I don't really get too much into spending. That's not my, my area of expertise, nor am I going to tell anybody how to spend their money. But implicit in a lot of this is shame in how we are already mm, using our yeah. money. And I think that there is so much femme shaming out there, shaming about the ways that women spend their money. That's another reason that women may not want to sit across from a man who is a financial advisor, because he may look at her budget and be like, what the hell are you spending your money on? And it's like, I'm sorry, bro, but you have no idea what it's like to be a woman. <laughs> right? Like, guess what? I got to buy some mascara or every single person that I see is going to tell me I look tired. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you look sick today. It's like, no, I'm just not wearing mascara. But thanks. Right. Thanks for that. <laughs> it's so true. I mean, you know, you can look at the beauty pot products that women have to purchase, the feminine care products, the, you know, lotions, potions, let alone getting your nails done, your eyebrows waxed. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And it's endless stream. And for so many of us, like these things are really important. And we would much rather be able to figure out how to afford these than, you know, other things that aren't as important to us. But it's, it's very, very hard to explain that to a guy who's just never walked in your shoes. Right. And I, and we always hear this messaging that is women are spending more than men, which in some senses, potentially because women do a lot more of the household spending, but when compared straight up, women don't spend more money than men. They, they spend differently than men, but because we spend on items that are important to us, we're often shamed for that. And mm, so yeah. that's another reason that I think that having safe spaces for women specifically, where you're not only talking their language, but they also walk into that room knowing that they're not going to be shamed for the way that they're using their own money currently or moving forward is also a, a, 
a very important element to this piece. Mm, yeah, yeah, I love that. I that I think definitely makes a difference. So I'm curious, like what we've talked about a few of them, but what sort of like blind spot areas do you find affecting women and their money the most that maybe we're not even talking about, but we should be? So that's okay. That's such a big question. So with, (laughs) so I work specifically within the realm of investing and this isn't a groundbreaking answer, but I think that a huge blind spot is just understanding what the tools are right? So many people have access to 401k programs or they could open up their Roth IRAs and then they need to invest it. And then what's a mutual fund? What's a stock? What's a bond? And these are not basic basic concepts in that they're super easy to understand. It does take a little bit of work, but basic in that every single person has to know what they are. You cannot get through life and expect to be able to retire without understanding what these different um, elements of, of money are. Um, I think that's something that's often misunderstood and specifically for, for young women. And, and I'll come back to why specifically is this idea that retirement is an age, like at age 65, we'll mm, all be able yeah. to retire when in reality, retirement is an, an amount of money saved. You can retire when you have enough money to retire. Now, I think that the reason <laughs> that this is such a big blind spot is because So many of our, as millennials, so many of our parents and grandparents did not have to do their own saving and investing for retirement on their own because they had companies that provided pension plans to them. And so just so anybody that's listening that's not familiar with the term pension, a pension is essentially when your company saves and invests money on your behalf for retirement. And then when you retire, they actually send you a check. So you get this nice, neat little check at your doorstep every month. The government also runs a pension plan for us. That's social security. Now, most people, most financial advisors would say that yes, social security is great, but we probably shouldn't count on it. Who knows what's going to happen to social security by the time that we get there. And so therefore that leaves this responsibility to save and invest for the long term for those 30 plus years of retirement. It's all on us. But our parents often didn't have to do this, right? Our parents may have not had to do 401ks or Roth IRAs because they may have had companies that took care of it. But in the 1990s and the 2000s, we saw this this shift in mass over to this 401k model. Basically, companies were like, you know what? Managing these huge pension plans is a gigantic clusterfuck. Um, (laughs) And so we're not going to do it anymore. And so here, the responsibility is all on you. And so the 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 shift has been made to the individual to take care of it themselves. And so I think that to answer your question, a lot of times people just don't even know that very fact that it's all on us and we have to be the ones to be able to navigate it. Yeah. So very true. Yeah. I mean, when you compare to other generations, it just, we're really in a, a spot right now that we've not been in before and we're living longer and that just requires even more money. And it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it all pans out. But I, you know, for somebody listening who is aware that they should start investing, but is fearful, is scared, doesn't know where to start. There's so many different apps. And do you use this? Do you put money here? I mean, we could go on and on about that. But, you know, give give us a little like collective kick in the ass. Like, what are some of the steps that we could take today to start investing, to start down that journey? 
Well, sure. So, well, first of all, I don't make recommendations, Shauna, but... <laughs> I, I know. Just, you know, <laughs> just give us a little, like, you know, food for thought, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, so here's the great news about investing is the easiest method is actually historically been the best performing method, which means that you don't have to be reading stock bal- or company balance sheets in order to pick the right stocks. You don't have to do that in order to get started. In fact, you don't have to do that ever. What you could very simply do is buy what is called an index fund, which essentially invests you into the entire market, the entire stock market, or some representative sample of the stock market. And so then you're just there to ride the stock market wave over time, which as we know, historically has been pretty generous. The stocks have returned about 10% annualized over time. 10% is very much an average, which we can get back and we can talk about that, but it is a very good average. Now, moving forward, maybe we shouldn't expect that much, but we do expect the stock market to move higher over time and a really easy way to get in on the action and to get a little piece of the action is to just buy the whole stock market. And so where you can do that, I would always recommend doing so at what we call a discount broker. So a Fidelity Charles Schwab, or if you've got a little bit more money to get started at a Vanguard. And so just get in there, open up an account, whether it's a Roth IRA for, um, for retirement, or if it's just a regular brokerage account for something shorter term, and then just buy an index fund. And that's that. Mm, simplistic, right? Super yeah. simplistic. And, and another option I will give for, for those that aren't comfortable going all in on the stock market right away, there are these things called target date or retirement target date funds. It's a mouthful <laughs> where what you are essentially doing is, is you are picking a fund that has a date far off in the future. So like, let's say 2065, you want that to roughly correspond with your target retirement date when you want to retire. And that date indicates to the fund how much to hold in stocks and how much to hold in bonds. And so then you've got a diversified mix. So it is your best one-stop option to build a diversified portfolio with stocks and with bonds all baked into one fund. I actually like to call it a crock pot option because like basically everything is just thrown in there, just throw it all in. And then you just (laughs) let that shit simmer and it takes care of itself. And so you can also buy one of these funds at a Fidelity Charles Schwab or Vanguard. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to pretend like I'm a listener. So, uh, okay, Amanda, I, I get that, but I'm seeing all these news headlines. There's like constant talk about we might go in a recession and the stock market go down and I'm afraid of losing money. Like, how should I put that into perspective when I'm investing? That's a great question, Shauna. So with investing in the stock market, the first rule, the first rule, at least to me, is that you have got to be in it for the long term. If you are expecting to buy into the stock market and you want it to work within a year or two years or even five or 10 years, you're probably going to be disappointed because the stock market just takes 20 or 30 or 40 years to work, which unfortunately is very, very difficult for human beings. You see, we were born (laughs) with these like beautiful brains that were designed to keep us alive in caveman times, you know, many, many thousands of years ago. Um, And so we are designed to stay alive and to think about each day. We are not designed to think about investing in terms of 40 years all that well. And so we know the stock market is going to be volatile. That is an an imperative element of the stock market, in fact. And we we can come back to the idea of risk and return. 
But first, I just want to state this and make it very clear that the stock market could be down 20, 30, 40, 50% in any given year, right? In 2008, which was our last big market crash, the stock market was down 55%. So that means if you had $1,000 invested in an S&P 500 US stock index fund, then you all of a sudden one day looked at your, your investment and you had $450, which is, which is really wild. And you have got to be prepared for that type of volatility. But the lovely thing about the stock market is that it is up a lot more than it is down. And yes. we focus so often on these years like 2008. But what about the 10 years since then? We have seen the most insane rise in the stock market since then. And you've not only recouped that $550 that you, I'm using air quotes, lost because you didn't lose <laughs> anything. You still owned the same number of shares, but that price came back around and rose to much, much, much higher heights. We're at record-breaking heights now, but it's so much easier to focus on the losses in, in the short term. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress toward your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. In those moments when money is just not moving as fast as your dreams, Earnit provides the financial momentum you need to keep moving forward. Earnit is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnit app and verify your paycheck. Then you access up to $100 a day as you work and you can leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. I honestly would use Earnin in lots of different ways, but what's on my mind recently is I need a night out. I need some good tacos to sip on a few virgin margaritas and celebrate you all helping this podcast earn 26 million downloads. 
Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. Gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin' Money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin' Money under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. <laughs> I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash ETM to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash ETM. We're in December, and that means that this is the time where not only are we thinking about shopping and the holidays and the new year, but we're also really thinking about how we can better our finances, how we can set goals for the next year. So I wanted to give you four quick money to do list items for December, just some things that you can tackle over the month. Come back to this episode and uh, check these off one by one. So number one is I want you to create a list of what you think you will spend in December. And remember, add in any holiday spending. You don't have to think about this as, as a budget. It doesn't have to be rigid and fixed and set in stone. 
but just take out a piece of paper or open a new document on your computer and just write down what you think you're going to spend. Those fixed expenses, the ones that vary from time to time, just cultivate a little list. There's nothing more that you have to do with it right now, except just create the list and visually look at it. There is something to be said about visually looking at your expenses, what you think they're going to be, what they actually are, that really can help you create some change. If you have a flexible spending account, this is a great time to figure out if there's any excess funds in there that you need to spend before the end of the year. Maybe you go to the dentist, you go to the doctor, whatever you need to do to just get rid of that excess spending in your flexible spending account. Because remember, when the new year comes, that will reset again and you'll not have that money available to you. Now, the cool thing, if you do have a health savings account, you do not lose that money. So any money that you have built up over the year, just roll it on into the next year if you don't need to go anywhere. And why would you go to the dentist if you didn't absolutely have to go to the dentist? Just my two cents. Number three, so I use December as my month to really plan ahead for the new year. Where do I want to travel? Any big purchases I want to make next year? Where do I want to be as far as paying off debt or savings? I try to get really like microscopic so I can create an action plan. And I also do a year in review. And I like this. I think it's fun. What went right? Maybe what didn't go so right? Where's my headspace around money? What's holding me back? What am I looking forward to? What are some things maybe I need to change a little bit? It's like a good money state of the union where I'm just taking inventory. I'm not making any judgment on myself, any judgment on the situation. I'm just kind of laying all the cards out on the table and then saying, hmm, okay, what do I do with this? How can I make this better? Are there changes I need to make? Maybe it's a change in just my thought pattern. Maybe it's an actual physical action plan change. And of course, I always do this with snacks and I have some fun. I think the important thing in December and as we're rolling around to January is just to remember, try not to take money so seriously. It's just a tool. It's just a tool to help you achieve the goals that you have, to help you get to the place you want to be. So don't put too much emphasis on money. And I'm speaking to you 100% personally here because I am somebody who has freaked out over money so many times in my past. I've been so scared about money that I have or don't have and so much so that I can be in conversations and I'm not even really participating in the conversation because I'm thinking about this in my head. And so friend to friend, I'm just telling you, it works so much better when we just try not to take it so seriously, even though I'm, of course, not discounting how important it is. And number four, if you are going to get a year-end bonus, I want you to think about getting a plan in place before you get that check because we all know what happens when you get that check. It lands in your bank account and then it goes through that like secret black hole that exists in all of our checking accounts where the money's there one day and then it just it like evaporates the next day. So I'm a big fan of splitting half for you, half for a money goal. So you kind of have this balance. You can feel good about the half that you've put towards the money goal, 
And you can also feel really good about the half that you put towards you, towards something fun, because I think money, we need to reward ourselves. We need to pat ourselves on the back occasionally. And that might seem crazy if you're living paycheck to paycheck, but it it is. What it does is it helps cultivate this idea behind, A, not taking money so seriously, but also B, that you can reward these little tiny steps that you're taking. And the little tiny steps are going to encourage you to take more little tiny steps. And before you know it, you're going to be looking and seeing, wow, I'm achieving goals or wow, I'm staying committed to looking at my money or my money dates or whatever it may be. The stuff is powerful. It seems really simple, but I promise you the power is in the simple thing. So here's four little things you can do for December. Hopefully they jog your mind of other things maybe that you might think about, but take it easy. It's the end of the year. Have some fun this month. Yeah. And we're in this like sensationalizing culture too, where you know, we're into clickbait and the, the bigger the story of, of loss or of fear, the more airplay that gets. So I think that that really traps people versus you're right. Like talking about all of these years that the stock market was up. That's just is not as fun topic for us to talk about. So I think if you're nervous about investing, it's easy to get sucked in that drain pipe of thinking that you know, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and $450, you know, is going to be my, my balance or, or I'm going to go to zero or whatever it may be. Uh, so I think you always have to keep that in mind when you go into investing. Exactly. And while I do not necessarily t- advocate timing the market, like what I'm not saying is that I think you should be watching the market and putting, trying to put your money in at a strategic time. The very best thing you can do is just consistently add money to the market over time and just be totally nonplussed by what happens in the market, right? Just like yeah. keep a cool head, which actually women tend to be very good at, unsurprisingly. Um, <laughs> women are really good about staying the course, whereas men, historically at least, studies have shown that they want to try to fix it when all of a sudden the market crashes. And it's like, boy, you can't fix anything. You just have got, <laughs> there's nothing to be fixed here. We are just along along for the ride. And so the good news is women can be very good at that. But what I was going to say is I don't advocate for timing necessarily, but if you're looking at your account and all of a sudden you see a loss in a value in the stock market and therefore your account of 55%, what this should trigger for you is this a, a totally different, like ring a different bell. It should be telling you like, oh my God, this shit is on sale right now. Like I should be, yeah, yeah I should be, yeah. I should be buying. And, and, you know, I don't, I also don't, I'm not rooting for any sort of market crash. A market crash can, can really destroy some, some people's livelihoods. And so I never root for one. But if you do happen to be in a comfortable position, you're employed, you're, you're not worried about losing your job. You've got some savings and we do see a market crash. It would be a great time to get some more money into the market, right? The, the old adage is be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. But it's a really hard thing to adhere to because again, our cave man, cave woman, cave person <laughs> brains are, our fight or flight mechanisms have been activated. And when we see our money in the red, we are quite literally hardwired and chemically driven to do something about it. But with the stock market, the best action is inaction. It's doing nothing at all. Or if you've got that comfort, adding a little bit more money in. 
Mm, yeah. Gosh, there's so many things I want to talk about. Uh, the question of, you know, so many people are looking for that, that big hit, the I want to buy cryptocurrency and suddenly I'm a millionaire, you know, all those articles that we read. What do you say to people who are have a tough time like looking at the time horizon of investing for 30 40 years that this is a this is a long time horizon versus the the feeling that they want to get that that big hit i would say you're more than welcome to do that after you have a fully funded emergency fund and you're maxing out all your retirement accounts <laughs> <laughs> period <laughs> yeah yeah i like it i like it and and what about the idea you talked about like risk versus return like how do you figure out how risky you want to be and and would that change over time when you're in the different stages of life that's a great question and and it's also it's a very common question that I think is impossible to answer if you don't actually understand the risk and reward trade-offs between the different asset classes that we're talking about. So let me explain that because I know I kind of use just use some jargon there. But like, let's say you walk into like a personal financial advisor's office and they're like, they start with, okay, well, great. You want to invest. What's your risk tolerance? And you're like, uh, like, I don't know, like medium, <laughs> medium large. Right? Like how am I supposed <laughs> to answer that question? And so what I actually like to do is start by actually understanding what are my options? What are my investment options? And then understanding the risk and reward of each. And so at its core, investing is, is a trade-off. And a lot of times that trade-off that we're talking about is between stocks and bonds. Those are your two investment building blocks. And I'm not sure whether you want to actually like get into definitions and get into risk and reward characteristics of each. This is something that I cover in my classes at length. But the most important thing that you understand is what is the risk of each? Because you can't make a determination about how much risk you want to take without understanding what the actual risk is. Yeah, yeah, very true. And we're all different, right? I mean, I see so many of of my friends say, well, I'm just going to invest however my boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife invests, or I'm going to invest like my friend does. And it's like, whoa, no, no, no. <laughs> you need to figure out what works for you and what's going to fit in with your you know, vision of life that you have. Do you find women get get sucked in that trap too? Hmm. Uh Sure. But no more so than men. I think that everybody needs a teacher and we're always emulating others who know more than us, not just in finance, but in all arenas of our life. And so I don't, I don't really find that unusual. Um, I also find that, that women are really thirsty for knowledge from somebody that speaks their language and they're willing to listen to whoever and they're willing to override bad ideas that they've inherited from, from others. And yeah, so I, like I, while I, while I, while I do see this, I, I also see the positive, which is that, um, there are so many people that are willing to learn. Yeah, that's great. I love that. And I love that position. I feel like if anything's come out of this, uh, financial literacy movement, if you will, even just the last few years is that there are so many more resources out there and there are so many opportunities to learn in a language that resonates with you, whether it's podcasts or courses or apps or books. And I, I, I just find it like so refreshing that there's so much knowledge out there. And I, I hope, you know, at least this podcast encourages people to have that hunger and to go out there and look for those, those answers. But 
I'm curious to kind of like wrap back around to to your story and your journey. You talked a little bit about your journey to become a dumpster dog, the the blog that you run. Are there any money lessons you can share like in that time period of leaving that job working with old white rich dudes and your journey now to to investing courses and working with women? Were there any like aha moments that really um that just, you know, resonated with you during that time when you were on this journey? Sure. So to give people a little bit of background on the dumpster dog name, I get told to, Sean, I get told to change it all the time. People are like, you need to switch over to invested development totally (laughs) because nobody's ever going to hire you you (laughs) with the dumpster doggy name. Um, But those that know, know that dumpster doggy is super close to my heart. So basically dumpster dog was a nickname that I actually picked up while I was working at the investment management firm, because all of a sudden it was, it was quite literally January 1st and it just clicked in my brain. I was like, I got to get out of here. I have got to get out of here from here on out. I am literally saving every single dollar that comes my way so that I can quit this job. And in some ways it was almost a blessing that I hated the job so much that it required that I take drastic action. Whereas I feel like so many people that feel trapped don't maybe hate their jobs quite so much. And it doesn't push (laughs) them to do something extremely drastic like I did because the story of dumpster dog basically was me just like, shoving like a giant tampon up the faucet and just being like, all right, I got to plug this baby up. (laughs) Like I am not spending one more dollar until I get the hell out of here. And so I just stopped spending on pretty much everything except for very basic needs. So like I did no shopping. Um, I really limited my socializing, which for me, socializing and being out in the world was actually my, it's my most expensive and remains to this day, my most expensive budgetary item. Like you're not alone. (laughs) Oh man. Like you get like one drink in me and I'm buying everybody at the bar around of shots. I just cannot, don't, don't tempt me over here. Um, (laughs) And so I really put a cap on that and just got super scrappy. And the, the nickname, the genesis of the nickname was actually, I was like quite literally like eating all of these guys that I worked with all of their leftovers. And so they nicknamed me dumpster dog. And so I thought it was fitting to name my blog, the dumpster dog blog to, to recount my stories of not only being scrappy, but also educating women on how to get started without judgment, without shame. It's like, you know, scrappy, no BS finance education for young women, I think is the, is the tagline. Um, but I think that one of the most important lessons I, I learned from, from the dumpster dog experience is how wonderful it can be. Yes. Saving money can be a slog. But how wonderful it can be when you have built something using money that is really important to you. And so for me, it was this ability to quit my job and be able to go travel and then start a business. This all came from making short-term sacrifices with my spending and saving money. And it was so rewarding in the end that it is that, that inspiration has spilled over into my, my desire to to save for other goals that would ultimately lead towards some sort of financial freedom. And so that's a lesson I would love for people to to understand is that yes, short-term sacrifices can suck, but it is so worth it when you get to a point when you are, when money is more than just spending on bills and you're actually using it to build something beautiful. 
Mm, I love that. Yes. As an entrepreneur my entire career, I can really relate to that for sure. Wow. Well, I'd love for you to tell us just a little little sneak peek behind the scenes about your invested development course. Like what's in the course and what what would somebody hopefully walk away with after the course? Sure. Well, thank you. So the course is also called Invested Development. And so Currently, I'm not sure when this podcast comes out, Shauna, but currently it is live. It's taught by me. It's in four classes. And so it's six hours of instruction. And so it's, you can think of it as investing 101, but you are absolutely going to walk away with some idea of exactly what you should be doing in order to build out your investing and saving infrastructure. And so that goes for whether you have a workplace retirement account, for instance, you have a 401k or you're a freelancer, you're self-employed and you're doing it on your own. Anybody who takes this class is going to learn something. We cover it all. We cover accounts. So like what account types you should be using. We cover all of the investing basics. We cover investing theory. We cover investing beyond stocks and bonds. We cover socially responsible investing. We, we cover pretty much everything that I can cram into six hours of instruction under the sun into that, that few <laughs> hours. And then also because it's classroom style, I answer everybody's questions. And so there's unlimited Q and A to make sure all of your questions are answered in class. And so for now it is all live. Um, ultimately it will probably can be converted into video at some point, but for now it's live. I've got classes coming out in January and February and I'm not sure if I can do this, but I would love to offer your listeners a discount if they want to use. Oh, that would be amazing. Cool. Well, why don't we do a discount? The, the, the discount code can be millennial and that will give you $50 off the, co- the cost of the course. All right. So there's no reason to not take advantage of it. It's, it's, you know, I think even for somebody who is comfortable with investing, I mean, for me, when you describe it, it sounds like a course I would love to take. I think it's just great to have a different perspective and to learn something new and to, to brush up. I feel like you can never learn enough about investing. So I, you know, in the, it's, going to be like in minutes, a new year, a new century, which is just absolutely crazy. So I'd love for you to leave our listeners with like one last tip. Is there like one thing you think that we should be thinking about as we go into that new year with our money? Maybe it's about like making a change with investing or just thinking about our money differently. Is there something that you just want to like call out to all the listeners? I think I said this at the beginning of class, but I'm going to reiterate it. And it's, it's maybe not necessarily a tip about investing, it's just encouragement that investing is something that is absolutely within your capacity. It is within your capacity. You just need the right teacher. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Be sure to check out all the show notes for all the links that we talked about in this episode. And you can also head over to our site, mmoneypodcast.com to check out past episodes and so much more. I'll see you back here in a few days for a fresh new episode. Hey, you. Yes, you. Before you go, we want to say thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Money. For all the links, tags, and ads you've heard on today's episode, check out the show notes or go to mmoneypodcast.com, where you'll find more episodes to share with your friends. While you're at it, leave us a review. And make sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss out on all the money tips and tricks that will take you from a millennial regular to a millennial money expert. See you back here in a few days with a fresh new episode.